Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. Mark is the founding publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. We'll also visit with Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. You may have heard about one of the muckrakers, Lincoln Steffens, such an interesting life and uh, strange beliefs. We'll visit with uh, Larry Reed as well as Jim McTagg former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several murder mysteries. His latest is No Problem. It is June the 26th, and on this day in 1948, U.S. and British pilots began delivering food and supplies by airplane to Berlin after the city was isolated by the Soviet Union blockade. When World War II ended in 1945, defeated Germany was divided into Soviet, American, British, and French zones of occupation. Excuse me, the city of Berlin, though located with the Soviet zone of occupation, was also split into four sectors, with the Allies taking the western part of the city and the Soviets the eastern. In June 1948, Joseph Stalin's government attempted to consolidate control of the city by cutting off all land and sea routes to West Berlin in order to pressure the Allies to evacuate. As a result, beginning on June the 24th, the western sector of Berlin and its two million people were deprived of food heating fuel, and other crucial supplies. Though some in U.S. President Harry S. Truman's administration called for a direct military response to this aggressive Soviet move, Truman worried such a response would trigger another world war. Instead, he authorized a massive airlift operation under the control of General Lucius D. Clay, the American-appointed military governor of Germany. The first planes took off from England and western Germany on June the 26th, loaded with food, clothing, water, medical, medicine, and fuel. At the beginning of the operation, the planes delivered about 5,000 tons of supplies to West Berlin every day. By the end, those loads had increased to 8,000 tons of supplies per day. The Allies carried about 2.3 million tons of cargo in over the course of the airlift. The massive scale of the airlift made it a huge logistical uh, challenge and at times a great risk, with planes landing at the airport every four minutes. Around the clock, uh, pilots were being asked to fly two or more round-trip flights every day in the World War II planes that were sometimes in need of repair. The Soviets lifted the blockade in May 1949, having earned the scorn of the international community for subjecting innocent men, women, and children to hardship and starvation. The airlift call was called Die Luftbrücke, or the Air Bridge in German, continued until September 1949 at a total cost of $224 million. When it ended, <clears throat> the east section of Berlin was absorbed into the West Soviet East Germany, while West Berlin remained a separate territory with its own government and close ties to West Germany. The Berlin Wall, uh, built in 1961, formed a dividing line between East and West Berlin. Its destruction in 1989 presaged the 1991 collapse of the Soviet Union and marked the end of an era and the reemergence of Berlin as the capital of a new unified German nation. It just raises the question, what would have happened had uh, Truman challenged the Soviets? They may have backed down. That may have uh, ended a uh, Uh, I may have changed a lot of things. We'll never know, though, because you live with the decisions you make, and certainly Truman, I think, a a good president and a good man. Both uh, tropical storms Brett and Sidney seemingly pose no threat to Florida, as both are forecasted by the National Hurricane Center to trek away from the Sunshine State. Both storms shared the Atlantic at the same time in an event that has not occurred since 1968. Hurricane season began on June the 1st, and of course is going to run through November the 30th. A lot of activity already, and we're only a few days into the season. Well, kind of whistling past the graveyard at this point. 
a prominent, <laughs> I, this story is probably in the scheme of things, not the most important thing in the world, but it made me chuckle at the irony here. A prominent Harvard behavioral scientist who undertook studies about honesty is under fire for allegedly fabricating papers that she worked on, according to a report. Harvard Business School's Francesco Gino allegedly chalked up phony results tied to the, study, to the studies, including one focused on honest behavior, that according to the New York Times. The accusations lodged against Gino were leading to major reverberations in the academic community because Gino had so many collaborators, so many articles, who is really a leading scholar in the field, he told the Times. Gino had been honored as one of the top 40 business professors under 40 and has notched numerous awards. Her studies have also been featured in an array of new articles and broadcasts. So, again, Gina, Gino... Uh, fabricated <laughs> the results of a study on honesty. Somewhat ironic, huh? Well, the big story, of course, is the Wagner Group. Uh, Chief Yevgeny uh, Prignozin uh, said Saturday that he ordered his mercenary forces to turn back and return to their bases and stop heading towards Moscow, according to reports. In a telegram post, uh, he uh, said the move was being done in a, to avoid shedding Russian blood, according to NBC News. Russian President Vladimir Putin uh, vowed harsh punishment for the armed rebellion led by Prigozhin before the armed rebellion was cut off by Major uh, Moscow Mayor Sergei Soboyan <clears throat> urged Russian uh, residents to stay off the roads and declared Monday to be a non-working day for most residents, with the exception of public service jobs and industrial enterprises. Reports of uh, Putin fleeing Moscow have been denied by a spokesperson. Moscow has issued an arrest warrant for Prigozhin, accusing him of inciting an armed rebellion against the government. Prigozhin has long feuded with the Ministry of Defense over its prosecution of the war in Ukraine. On Friday night, tensions reached a boiling point as uh, Prigozhin announced he had withdrawn his forces from Ukraine and entered Russia via Rostov. Uh, he, he accused the Kremlin of attacking his men, which the government has strongly denied. Russia has opened a criminal case in the mercenary leader for inciting, inciting an armed rebellion, the mercenary group leader, uh, that staged a brief but startling revolt this weekend uh, against the uh, Rush, uh, government of Russia uh, over, and Putin over his war on Ukraine has agreed to, to go to neighboring Belarus in exchange for charges against him being dropped of uh, mounting the armed rebellion against, uh, against Russia. This all happened so quickly. This all happened within 36 hours. Started, then uh, stopped. I have so many questions about this. I really look forward to Mark Schulman's uh, commentary on uh, what happened. Uh, I think he'll give us some perspective on this, but it makes me wonder if perhaps there's not some CIA money involved in this, like $6 billion. We'll find out. Well, uh, the Committee to uh, Unleash Prosperity has a terrific newsletter. If you don't get it, I encourage you to look into it. Uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity has a website. You can check it out. Well, the Biden ha uh, White House insists that the U.S. is more competitive than ever and that will only accelerate as Green New Deal subsidies start to flow. The only problem is that the people who study competitiveness completely disagree. The International Institute for Management Development, an independent university group in Switzerland, has just issued its annual world competitiveness ranking for 2023. It's a disaster for the U.S., and it shows the world's largest economy is now mired in ninth place, having fallen to 10th place from 2020 through 2022. Before that, the U.S. had the top position for a dozen years between 1997 and 2009, and never placed out of the top three countries until 2017. It is pathetic and humiliating that we now rank behind Denmark and barely beat out the United Arab Emirates in terms of economic dynamism. Government now consumes roughly 38% of our GDP. Can you believe that? 38% of our GDP. Step one in getting back America back to number one is to cut government spending in half, they suggest. And this is another story from uh, the Committee to Unleash, Unleash Prosperity. The left is putting on their Stalinist and expensive green initiatives climate justice. They pontificate about how the poor and minorities are the victims of a warming planet. Actually, no. 
The poor and minorities are the frontline victims of the uh, left's regressive climate change policies. Our QTIP economic senior fellow Casey Mulligan has run the numbers on the Democrats' anti-fossil fuels energy policies, which of course dramatically raised the price of gas at the pump and energy for home and buildings. Casey finds that a poor household pays almost 9% of its income to pay for green policies, whereas the rich pay about 1.5%. That is, the burden of the green agenda for the poor is triple the cost for the rich liberals who provide the most political support for these policies. So much for fairness. Wouldn't you say? A new poll released on Monday shows that a staggering 74% of Americans believe the country is on the wrong track under President Joe Biden. Just 20% of voters believe this country is headed in the right direction. 74% say the country is now on the wrong track, according to NBC's Chuck Todd. He explained that how it's been almost 70% for a sustained period for about a year now, he said. The last two periods of the history of this poll, when it was a kind of sustained negativity about the direction of the company for the uh, 92 election and before 2008 elections, both those uh, changed the party controlling the White House, he added. <clears throat> the poll conducted by the Pew Research Center also found that Biden's approval rating is stuck at just about 38 percent, the lowest of his presidency. Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has announced the creation of a new national coalition of sheriffs to combat crime stemming from the border crisis. The governor and the GOP presidential candidate in making uh, the announcement Friday said that over 90 sheriffs from 24 states are part of the coalition. Participants include sheriffs from Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Iowa, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. That's a pretty good group of not only red but uh, blue states. Illegal immigration has not only ravaged communities along the southern border, it's also harmed states across the country with a deadly influx of cartel-trafficked fentanyl and highly rate, high rates of violent crime, DeSantis said. I'm proud to work with this growing group of law enforcement leaders and bring Florida's dedicated resources and leadership to bear on this national uh, problem. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. To find out more, you can visit the website lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. 
Here's Esther Lully, Director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary, excuse me, rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Great for kids of all ages, including you and I. I hope you'll check it out, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Point out to our listeners that you are in Tel Aviv, and right now Israel's getting some headlines about uh, more, I'm going to say consternation, about trying to change the government. Any comments and thoughts? Sure. It's been a... been an interesting week. There was a question whether Prime Minister Netanyahu was going to go ahead and try to push forward with the judicial overhaul or not against the opposition, what, what seems to be the majority of the people in the country. Uh, but his coalition partners are insisting, and he's going with it because he's afraid of losing his coalition, which is his problem all along. He has some very far-right coalition members. He has the same problem with what's been going on in, in um, the West Bank, where there was a terrible terror attack last week, um, but then some of the settlers started attacking Palestinians. And um, <clears throat> today, yeah, two days ago, the heads of the army and the, and the police and everyone else issued a joint statement uh, decrying what they call Jewish terrorism on their parts. And today some of the members of his government attacked the heads of the army and the police for coming out with a statement like that. So uh, he's under a lot of pressure from from all sides. At the moment, um, his trial continues, his trial for corruption. Um, today, actually, is a remote trial from one of the key witnesses um, who has supposedly um, gave him all sorts of $100,000 worth of presents, and he's, um, he is um, appearing remotely from, from England. So, um, You're talking so about the witness. The witness, yes. Arnold Milchon is, is his name. So, mm-hmm. um so it's in this trial has been going on for a long time. It's one of the problems in the Israeli judicial system is trials go on forever. As I understand, so it's in America, you wait a long time for a trial, but once the trial once the trial begins, it begins and it ends. Right. I understand so. that many of the uh, key witnesses have died <laughs> since this whole thing started. Some of them have, mm-hmm. um, but you know, again, it, 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 like I said, the problem is how long these things take. Yeah. I mean, actually, in America, criminal trials are usually relatively quickly, within six months and nine months. This thing's been going on for years. Uh, civil civil situations in the United States can take a long, long time, not as long as in Israel. But again, the problem here is not how long you wait. It's once you start, how long it takes. Wow. And what's What causes that? Two things. Uh, <laughs> number one, first of all, keep in mind the fact that <clears throat> Israel does not have juries. It's a, it's um, the Judges are the ones who try the trials. They take multiple uh, cases at the same time, many, many at the same time. Ah. And they have dates for having the trial, you know, one day here, one day there. You know, it's broken up over a long period of time. And the courts take a month vacation in the middle of summer. Vacation. So, tough luck. The The whole court system is closed for a month. So... Those are, those are a few of the reasons. That might be a reform that uh, Putin... Uh, that, uh, yeah, those reforms are the ones that are needed, absolutely. Yeah. The, the idea of judges... I, you know, it's one thing... There's an argument to be made back and forth, what's better, a judge or a, or a jury, right? There's right. Arguments in both ways, right? Sure. But what's clearly wrong, in my opinion, <laughs> is when you have a judge that's simultaneously taking 50 or 70 cases, yeah. and it's supposed to remember what took place in those 70 cases. Absolutely. I don't know. 
I'm not capable of that. I don't know maybe you are, but uh, it's way beyond my pay grade. Anyhow, well, so Mark, thanks for that clarification. The big story, of course, is what happened in Ukraine and Russia, the advance of the uh, Wagner Group. uh, You know, certainly we see the facts, but maybe you could provide some clarification and context for what's going on. Some clarification, not a tremendous amount, because there is nobody who I've spoken to in the last forty-eight hours who really is sure of what really happened in the sense of why and what agreement was made. The best, that I, the best explanation that I can come up with at this point is the head of the WAG, the, the Russian government was trying to um, take the Wagner group and put them as part of the army and disband them to some extent. They were supposed to be July 1st. And it seems to be this was a play by the head of the Wagner group to stop that. I think he was surprised at how successful he was. So the reality was the fact that he conquered Rostov without firing a shot and it was looking like his troops were heading to Moscow and might arrive in Moscow and not find anyone to stop them because the, the Russian army is all in Ukraine. There's no one to stop. There's no, there was no one to stop them. Uh-huh. Um, that was that was more than he was really ready to do. I don't think he really wanted to take power from Putin. Uh-huh. He just wanted to to keep himself in power, so to speak. So I think that's what happened more than anything else. But it's showing how fragile at this point the the Russian government is. A bunch of warlords and different warlords. And you have the Chechen warlord who's going to come to defend Putin. Um, You know, look, Putin's days are numbered one way or the other. He's losing the war slowly but surely. Um, And there was no excuse for the war. That was one of the things this this guy said, was he said, why did we go to war? We went to war to, to... uh, get the the minimal and farm rights from Ukraine to make some of Putin's cronies wealthier, and you know that's probably the best explanation anyone's come up with for why they went to war. There was no, there's no, you know, to this day, no one has really come up with a good reason. You know, there's excuses. You know, some people are saying, oh, it's America's fault because of NATO expansion, but that took place nine years ago, ten yeah. years ago. You know, it's like all sorts of excuses, but the reality is no one really knows why Putin had to do this now, other than some imperialistic need to expand Mother Russia. So trying to understand this event right now, it probably took less than 36 hours before it started and and then ended. Uh, apparently Belarus is going to take in uh, this uh, the leader of the Wagner group, and uh, it, apparently in order he's... <laughs> One concern is his life, of course, that uh, he shouldn't go... Right, so no one quite understands what he agreed to, and and no one really knows what the full agreement is. He and the president of Belarus supposedly are old friends. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any friendship in in, in this sort of world. Uh, Belarus, the only reason the head of Belarus is still the head of Belarus is because of the Russians, because the Belarusian people don't want him, and there was a revolt that they didn't quite succeed in ousting him. Uh, There were elections which were completely false. So... What he did exactly and what he agreed to is really one of those unknowns. But again, uh, you know, it shows the complete chaos on the Russian side, and the Ukrainians at last, last seem to be uh, making use of it, and they've made some substantial gains in the last 24 to 48 hours. So um, Interesting. So I, I, another, and again, this is a rumor, so, but I do want to uh, just float it to get your thoughts, that uh, there is uh, perhaps CIA money behind this. No, that's just nonsensical. You know, why? Why would anyone think that per se? Who this guy has? This guy who, um, you know, who, he's a billionaire. Um, he's, right, he's a billionaire. He has money. He stole from the Africans and from everywhere in the world. He's a he's very very wealthy. Well, you know, it's like let's make the CIA responsible for everything. Oh, it's the FBI. Come on, guys. <laughs> They're not doing these things. They're not, you know. I mean, really. Okay, I said. Uh, I take it you you disagree. <laughs> I think it's just nonsensical, really. Yeah. To to think that. I mean, again, look, uh, money is important to people who don't have money, right? Yeah. This guy is literally has billions of dollars in cash and this and that. Why would he get involved? You know, think about it a different way, right? If he really was to get involved with the CIA, it would be his absolute kiss of death. So why would he? So the other the other thought is that uh, that uh, he realized, or at least uh, Putin is pretty popular in Russia right now. Maybe his popularity is as high as it's been. No, actually, the opposite seems to be the case. It seems no one really cared. If we see the uh, pictures from Rostov, where uh, where this guy took control of, 
the people came out and gave him flowers and fed his troops. Uh -huh. So what, what this has actually shown is that people couldn't care less which kleptocraft is running the country at this point. I don't think... I don't think Putin is particularly popular at the moment, and I think this is going to put a major dent in whatever popularity he has, because it shows he's not, um, you know, he's not all all present, and uh, he could be taken down. All right. I mean, it didn't happen, but it could easily have happened, and I think this is one of the lessons: is that it may happen next time. So, Mark, I want to get your opinion on what kind of impact this may have on the war in Ukraine. Can you hold? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And I hope you'll visit the website, find out about the beautiful performing arts center being built in downtown Naples. You can also get tickets. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Uh, Mark, again, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, uh, we've talked a little bit about what's happened now in Russia. What are the implications for what's happening and what is happening in Ukraine? Any update? Okay, so two things. First of all, clearly the Ukrainians are making use of the situation that the Wagner group is no longer really there at the front, that there's chaos, uh, obviously uh, even more morale issues with the Russian troops, and they've been making um, significant progress, particularly on the southern front. Mm -hmm. uh, they have not launched their major offensive yet with their trained um, American-British troops. They've been using more localized efforts to sort of probe and see where they can move forward, etc. My guess is they're holding back um, their major force until they can uh, get a localized breakthrough, and then once they get a localized breakthrough, they'll punch through with their with their heavier um, brigades. Now, isn't and, this is uh, the spring offensive, right? This is the spring offensive, but it's you know it's begun slowly, and it was more like a, a probing action in terms of trying to find the weakest points in the Russian lines. Uh -huh. um, there's a good chance they'll retake Bakhmut and then. In the the very near future, they seem to have surrounded it at this point. Um, so um, that's be more symbolic than anything else. But that's what they're really doing is they've been probing the lines, moving forward slowly, gaining some space, but not taking them a major assault yet. So yeah, I well, hear that uh, Russians have been using uh, drones uh, to make attacks, and they've been pretty successful. 
I mean, they've been, most of them have been shot down. I mean, they've been using Iranian drones. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yes, yeah, some of them have been successfully gotten through, but a relatively small number. I mean, look, they haven't managed to turn off the lights in Kiev or anywhere else. Um, they've, you know, when you think about it, the fact that the Russian Air Force was not able to gain uh, tactical, you know, control of the skies over the battlefield mm-hmm. will go down in history as one of the great failures. Mm. Interesting, Mark. I mean, the Russians are really just a paper army more than they have a lot of troops, and it's hard, and it's easier to defend than to attack. So it'll be a grinding battle to some extent for the Ukrainians until they break through. But the Russians are really a third-rate power. You know, I heard a, over the weekend a really good joke that uh, two years ago the Russians had the strong, the second strongest army in the world. Last year they had the second strongest army in Ukraine, and during this whole, you know. Uh, little revolt they had the second strongest army in russia so <laughs> so it is cute so uh their chinese are, are are kind of weighing in on this so what are the, what's the implication of what's going on right now on, well look the chinese place? the guy doesn't the chinese z doesn't want to see putin removed from power because that's wait you can remove putin maybe that someone's going to come and remove me yeah you know dictators stick together in that sense uh-huh. And Z is clearly a dictator, and we'll always see that all over the world. We'll see that dictators support other dictators because who wants the people to have any say? Good point. So let's move to Greece, some elections and some... Uh... We had elections in Greece. The Conservative Party won, in, looks like, an overwhelming victory. They won on their very successful economic program. The Greek economy, like we've discussed before, is doing really well. You know, it's no longer this... Uh, you know, poor cousin of the German or other parts of the European economy. The economy is doing well. People tend to um, tend to vote with the with the party that it brings economic prosperity. Right. So they're doing quite well there, and um, so it looks like the current government will get stronger and maintain. Uh, you know, have an even stronger hold on the parliament as well. Interesting. So. And what's going on in Guatemala? So there are elections there as well. Now, there we have an elections. There's a country that's heading towards some version of, uh, well, not quite dictatorship, but it's not clear what. Anybody who was considered dangerous to the regime generally was not allowed to run. Hmm. So they selected the people who could run, and therefore when you select the people who can run, you're really not having free elections, obviously. Um, and, um, you know, that's a shame because... It's at one point, South and Central America were the great success stories, right? Right. Today, not so much <clears throat> uh, in terms of democracy and the return to democracy. So um, it's hard. It's hard to sustain a democracy when you have kleptocrats and people who demand to hold power all over the world. Um, and you, you need, you need a, uh, the nature of democracy. You need that it's part of who you are as a country. And it's possibly the DNA of your country to some extent. Right. In the way that it is in the United States, in the way it is in Great Britain. It's hard when it's not part of the DNA. Look, what, you know, Russia was a democracy for only a short period of time because it's always had strong leaders. And it's hard to get to make that part of the, the nature of a country. And that takes time. And most people don't have that time. So we have uh, shrinking uh, populations around the globe. <clears throat> I think that's pretty well uh, 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 been characterized as just uh, right now people are just having less children. Right now, Canada is seeing an increase in its population. It's now up over 40 million people. That has immigrants, a, immigrants, immigrants. Yeah, it has a lot They're to do with their immigration policy, although they are picking and selecting the people that are coming into the country. Well, they're bringing in a million people a year. That's <laughs> a lot of people for a country that size. Right. Remember, that would be the equivalent of the United States bringing in $5 million a year. Yeah. So they're making a, a, a clear effort. They believe that immigration is a solution. It is the solution economically to, any kind, to all of the North. Right. The whole North, you know, the, the whole North of the world um, is a, seeing a decrease in population. It needs more people. Uh, the South of the world, whether it's Africa, whether it's South Asia, um, South. All of those countries, all of those areas, have uh, still growing populations, and you know we need them. Everyone needs them. The Europe needs them. The United States needs them. Canada needs them. Russia needs them, but doesn't take them. Japan needs them, but doesn't take them. Um, but that's the solution. Yeah. If you're a nation of immigrants, you need an immigration policy. Look, America was built by open immigration. Let's not forget the fact that until 1922, anyone who showed up at Ellis Island that wasn't sick. 
was allowed in. Yeah. That's the bottom line. If you weren't sick, you were allowed to immigrate to the United States, period. If you could afford a fare to, to get a steamship to, to the United States, you were, you were welcome. Right. So the, the, the part of that story, though, that it fascinated me is, again, that, that this uh, immigration is illegal and they are controlling the people that are coming in, un- unlike what's happening in the United States right now. And we have. Listen, it- if, if we, I, I guarantee you that if we decided we were going to take 5 million immigrants a year, we'd have no illegal immigration. It's very simple. We would have no illegal immigration if we took more immigrants legally. Everything else is is purely, you know, it's the orchestra playing. It's not real. I mean, the reality is, because we limit the number of legal immigrants and we have a long process in order to do it, that we have illegal immigrants. If we were to take the same percentage of people as Canada, there'd be no illegal immigrants, period. Everyone would go to the nearest American embassy, would sign up, would give their information, and three months later, we get their visa for immigration. That would be the end of the story. Well, our system is our system is broken, else. and uh, unfortunately, it's so cumbersome that people just choose the uh, alternative route of, of uh, immigrating well, because illegally. Because we we've been limiting the number of immigrants, looking, especially during the time of the last administration. They cut legal immigration by you know more than half. Three-quarters of the illegal immigration was cut off uh, during the Trump administration. And, and the reality is America needs immigrants. It yep. needs to figure out a way to accept more legal immigrants, and that will solve the illegal immigration problem. I've said many times recently, and had some debates, you want to solve the problem of South American immigration or Central Americans coming? Go up and get, increase the quota of illegal immigrants from Guatemala and Nicaragua and those places. Vet them in their countries, but say that if you're vetted, if you're not a criminal and you're ready to work, we'll give you a visa. You won't have to wait 20 years. Yeah. They'll all come, and they'll come legally, and that'll be the end of the story. But no one's willing to do that, because everyone who says they're against illegal immigration, sometimes they're really just against immigration, and they just don't want to say it. Well, that may be. That's not my case. I'm for immigration. I don't understand it's not your case. I'm just saying that that would be the solution. <clears throat> yeah. This would solve the immigration problem. All you need to do is increase legal immigration. That's all. And then you, then you could... Then you could check everybody, you could make do a background check, you could do all the things you needed to make sure you're not bringing criminals or whoever else, and that people who are not sick and are not criminals, and everyone else, come welcome. Yeah. The Bachelor of Liberty is still there to welcome everyone to come, because America needs them. That's the reality. Mark Shulman, again, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check out the website. Mark, always appreciate your such, so well-informed commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, Bob, you and your listeners. You as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now 
now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We educate young people of high school and college age in ideas of individual liberty, free markets, limited government, and personal character. And we do that from our headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. But in schools and on campuses all over the country and beyond, and through our website, which is fee.org, where you'll see daily fresh commentary and free courses, and uh, free videos as well. Great resource for young people, high school and college age. I hope you'll visit. If you've got somebody in your life that age, high school or college, introduce them to fee.org. Uh, Larry, you wrote a piece really interesting. It's about uh, Lincoln Steffens, the muckraking journalist who exposed corruption in U.S. cities, but was seduced by Lenin's bloody revolution. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. Lincoln Steffens uh, earned an important place in American history at the turn of the last century, that is to say in the very early 1900s, because he was a pioneer in the journalistic, uh, oh, I guess you could call it genre, of muckraking. He was one of the first muckrakers, and by that we mean uh, the first, or one of the first to expose uh, corruption in municipal government. And he did that very well, uh, zeroing in on places like St. Louis and Philadelphia, Chicago, New York, uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, but where he really went astray was he had some pretty strong leftist leanings, which made him sympathetic to the uh, Soviet Union. And when he went there in 1919, two years after the uh, Communist Revolution, uh, he came back with pretty much uh, uh, great praise for what uh, Lenin was all about and kind of setting aside the violence and hoping that somehow the communists would make things work. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. I, I will say, though, I think there are a lot of, it affected a lot of people just after the turn of the century going into the, after the 1900s that uh, some people kind of fell in love with the whole notion of a new way of doing business or doing government anyhow. And uh, yeah. it, you know, communism didn't have a chance to demonstrate how poor it was. And so uh, it makes me wonder if he didn't just get caught up in the newness of this whole thing. Yeah, I, I think so to, to a great extent. Uh, he bought the rhetoric uh, without, the, uh, uh, without really connecting the dots and looking at what was really happening on the ground. And uh, even though he noticed that there were some pretty evil, nasty things, he sort of wrote it off by saying, well, they'll get that fixed, and the, uh, uh, the plan, the communist plan, will sooner or later unfold, and you'll see a, a utopian society where everybody's going to be equal, everybody will be cared for, the state will be your friend. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was uh, a lot of high hopes, but uh, kind of silly, because... Uh, people who violently come to power don't simply uh, become good guys once they get it. Isn't that the case? And I, you know, the old, I would get to break a few eggs in order to make omelets and you know, make excuses like that. But the fact of the matter, as you point out in the column, which is so important, it's really the, the, the bad seed is power. And uh, as Lord Acton said, uh, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that's uh, what happens is we give more and more power to these dictators, to the people in power. That's right. And there's too much tendency, especially in the left-leaning media, 
to sort of excuse the uh, silliness of a Lincoln Steffens because he was philosophically on their side. I mean, there were plenty of people at the time who saw what was uh, taking place in Russia, mm-hmm. who knew that communism was rotten to the core, who uh, had no illusions about where it would lead. And uh, But those people are kind of uh, written off and forgotten, and instead were supposed to idealize the Lincoln-Steffens types who went there uh, to the Soviet Union and said, I've been to the future and it works, you know, uh, hoping against hope that somehow communism could be made to work, but it never does. Yeah, and there were actually uh, columnists over there working for the New York Times and others that uh, were, uh, in a way, running cover for the communists. Oh, yeah, that was uh, Walter Durante, who headed up the uh, Moscow Bureau for the New York Times. A great recent movie, Mr. Jones, really puts Walter Durante uh, in his place. Uh, He he covered up for Stalin's uh, butchery in the Ukraine, where about six or seven million people died. Um, But at the same time, a very honest reporter from Great Britain, Gareth Jones, was actively trying to tell the world what was happening. But Walter Durante uh, uh, tried to uh, hush it up and uh, do Stalin's bidding. Yeah. And we still have United States senators who are are touting communism as a way of uh, government. And it's, you know, the the crime, the, the... distortion of government that everything is wrong with the with the whole notion and yet some people still promote it yeah yeah they do and they again they get bought into the rhetoric and they hear communists and socialists saying things like we're we're for the people uh, uh people before profits uh government should care for everyone we should all be secure we should get things uh, that will get us through life and get them from the government and so forth it just all sounds, quote, compassionate, but um, it never ends up that way. These are power-hungry people who uh, uh, offer, uh, you know, goodies to the masses, but not because they really support the masses of people, but because that's their way to get to power over them. Yeah, in my opinion, we're losing uh, freedom and liberty here in the United States, but it's still one of the freest uh, countries in the world, and uh yeah, it can slip away pretty quickly, but uh, it's just so refreshing that uh, people can express themselves still here in the United States of America. And uh, uh, be, be careful what you wish for, I guess would be the admonition, because quite frankly, right now, Larry, uh, what I've learned is just don't believe on face value anything that you hear from the government. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, they've earned that. Uh, I mean, they've lied to us uh, repeatedly, and it looks as though they've stacked the deck that yeah. people of a certain political political persuasion can get away with anything yeah. and that there are two standards of justice. Absolutely. Larry Reed again, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. I really implore you to visit the website, fee.org, fee.org. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTague, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and now he's writing murder mysteries, and they are terrific. His first is Father the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and his latest, No Problem. Jim McTagg, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Jim. So uh, right now, uh, the Fed has decided to pause interest rate increases for a little while. Uh, unlike what's happening in Europe, I guess most of the other uh, countries in the Euro, Euro uh, EU are, are increasing interest rates. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's pure politics. I mean, I'm on uh, uh, pure uh, cynic mode right now. Mm. But you know, but I've I've been covering politics for. Uh, 40 years or more, and um, I don't think it's an accident that the Fed paused its interest rate hikes uh, in the month that the president was planning to go to Chicago. He's planning to go to Chicago Wednesday to give a major speech on Bidenomics. Uh, Good luck with his, that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, but that's his central campaign theme. He's running for re-election on the premise that he's been spectacular for the economy. And, you know, ironically, as you know, the poll show, uh, uh, there's a Reuters poll out that shows that only 54% of the Americans, or 54% of Americans disapprove of the job he's doing. So, um, but I, you know, the next rate hike, which would be what, number 11? Yeah. Is, is going, I, I think it's going to do some visible damage to the economy because uh, in my own backyard, I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania today, which has a fabulous economy. I see signs of uh, fraying at the edges. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me give you some quick examples. Um, uh, well, first, Philadelphia, which is not far from here. It's about an hour away. Uh, they have a job fair every year at Temple University. Uh, this year, 84 employers showed up, which was half the number of the previous year. Huh. Uh, that that tells me that people are not eager to hire right now. You know, yeah. they're not firing, but they're not hiring. Here in Lancaster, there's a French company that has five manufacturing locations. They're consolidating that into one central location because they lease the five operations now. Mm-hmm. So they want to cut their operating costs, but there will be no net hiring. Mm. Uh, I go to the Lancaster Central Market, which is the oldest continually operating farm market in the country. It's been operating since 1730. Wow. So I talk to, ve- I talk to vendors, uh, a, a vendor who owns a restaurant and a distillery. One of the employees told me that the, uh, the restaurant traffic has slowed uh, visibly, and the distillery business is still racked by supply chain shortages in the last uh, since since 2020 I, I discovered yeah. uh, there's been a bottle shortage globally uh, which is why a lot of uh, wines are now in boxes but this distiller can't consistently get the same type of bottle for its product 
and, and that hurts business. It, sure. it drives up operating costs. Uh, the big positive for the economy, low gasoline prices, and there's no guarantee that that will continue. So, uh, so why has the Fed halted, and will they resume? Well, you know, because I'm seeing the effects on the economy already, and I think that the next rate hike will finally reveal that the, the recession really is in the cards. Uh, the Fed is reluctant to act because uh, then it becomes a political punching bag. Yeah. Joe Biden can blame the poor economic performance on uh, Jay Powell at the Fed. Hmm. Uh, the Republicans will start to beat up on the Fed, and the Fed is afraid of losing its, in quotation marks, independence. So, um, it's gravitas. So, it, just to support what you're saying, though, I found this uh, poll. It's by Pew, Pew Research Center, and it says, uh, uh, it shows a staggering 74% of Americans believe the country is on the wrong track under President Joe Biden. 74%, 20% believe the country is headed in the right direction right now. So, I'm imagining him going into Chicago and delivering a speech on how good the economy is. I just don't think it's going to be met. The reception is going to be very great. Well, in Chicago, it will be very great because, I mean, that's Obama country. Uh, the head of the Chicago Fed is Austin Goolsbee, who, who was Obama's uh, economic advisor in the White House. Uh. And another one of my cynical theories is that Goolsbee was appointed president of the Chicago Fed this year because he will take over from Jay Powell sometime between now and the election. Powell, I, I'm, I'm assuming, this is just uh, pure speculation on my part, Powell will decide to exit and Goolsby will be elevated to Fed chief, and it will be complete the uh, total political takeover by the Biden administration of the Federal Reserve. That's so interesting. Now, aren't they appointed independently and for a 10-year period? I'm talking about the Fed, yeah. Fed members. Yeah, you know, you know the appointments uh, are not objective. If you look at the Federal Reserve Act, uh, this country has been violating it for, for decades, mm -hmm. and the appointment of people with a, a points to the Fed. So to give you a quick example, the Federal Reserve Act says that, that at least one member has to represent the agricultural committee uh, community, and another member has to represent the business community. Um, they're just PhDs. There, there are no agriculture experts on the Fed. You know, there are no people who have been active in business and, and really understand what it is to, to run a business. You won't find them on the Fed. Uh. It's a bunch of number crunchers, and they don't do what I do, which is get out and go talk to small business people to find out what's really going on in the economy. They, they're, they're, they crunch the numbers, and the numbers generally are lagging indicators. Right. So they're always behind the curve. Hey, I want to ask you this question, Jim. Uh, do you believe the numbers coming out of Washington right now? I just, to me, it just raises so many questions. I just wonder what the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics and others, you see these numbers on a weekly or monthly basis, and I'm saying, where is that coming from, and is it real? Yeah, I mean, they're as real as they could be. They're estimates, so, and they're based on, on surveys of uh, business people. Uh -huh. And uh, the business people since covid haven't been uh, consistent in returning that data to the government. Uh. So, 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 so it's a basis for an estimate, and that's why you see constant restatements of, of, of the data f from month to month. You know, f so, for example, a great jobs figure one month might not be such a great jobs figure the next month. Or, um, um, you know, you wonder, why, you wonder how uh, economists in general uh, we're so off in our estimates of the uh, employment numbers uh, for May. I mean, they, you know, it was uh, uh, the com economics community was off by 50%, yeah. which is outstanding. That's, I mean, you know, that's worse than the public school performance. So, so uh, yeah, I, I, I would be skeptical of... Uh, the data. It's the best they have, but it's not that great. Okay. Jim McTague, again, former 
Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. I really appreciate your commentary on the show. Again, his latest book is No Problem. It's a great read, uh, Murder Mystery, No Problem by Jim McTagg, M-C capital T-A-G-U-E. Jim, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much oh, for joining thanks. Yeah, thank you for including me. My pleasure indeed, Jim. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got great guests coming in for tomorrow. It will be Kathleen Pasadoma, our state Senate president. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, will also be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send an email at bobharden.com, Bob, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you just pass it on to your friends. That certainly supports our advertisers and makes the show possible. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>